Hello, hello. Welcome to the Home Life Podcast. I'm Hola. JH, John Hellaby, JH, whatever you want to call me, your host. And I'm here with your other host, Sion. Sion. Just Sion. Because Sion. if you try and pronounce my surname, people will just go, that's too hard. Look, anytime you get a castle named after you, it probably means you've, you've yes. got a difficult name to pronounce. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yep. No, that Pretty works. Pretty much. All right. So today we're going to be talking about solving Australia's housing crisis. I am so with 3D keen. 3D printing Look, houses. We've, we've done a lot of episodes where we're ripping in and we're talking about the problems and, and exposing the problems and the government solutions that are not really solutions and all of that kind of stuff. Today we've got something that could genuinely address the supply issue. Mm-hmm. I've been watching this space I feel like I've been watching this space for almost a decade, but in earnest, I've been watching it probably for at least since 2018 um, as as advancements have really started to happen. And I'm so excited about it um, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. But then we're going to jump into a topic that you and I happen to be experts in. I don't think we're so much experts. I think we've just Vet- Veterans. To the, I think it's veterans is the word. I we, think we've just succumbed to the fact that this happens every yeah, year and... Yeah. And it's just like, we know that we're not the only ones out there yeah. that have to so survive we're, this. We're going to talk about surviving family Christmas. Um, I, I regret the use of the word experts now. I realise we're, we're veterans. We're the grizzled old veterans who have who have seen many a battle. Yeah. And and this the moment that the calendar swaps from November 30 to December 1, we start getting our, our equivalent of NAM flashbacks, Chris, yeah. family Christmas yeah. flashbacks. But I will also introduce you to one of my sister's... Um, little phrases mm-hmm. as well um and you actually found it quite entertaining picnic purgatory <laughs> i will go into that as to what it is and how you can execute it at your family I, christmases I, I may have uh become the commandant the warden of picnic purgatory exactly. and taken my role quite seriously yep. for the good of everybody else precisely yeah yeah absolutely all right, look, before we jump into the Australian housing crisis, one of one of the core reasons behind everything we do, home life podcasts, and, and especially Check My House Prices, the reason why I found a Check My House Price was to ensure that everybody is fully informed. We want to break down the myths and, and all of the hyperbole and the rubbish that's out there in the market about what's going on in the market, what your house might be worth. You know, the, the experts around the barbecue are not necessarily experts in your particular property. And, or area. Uh, or, or, or area. <laughs> And quite often too, look, the advice we get from from our elders is often well-meaning, but they grew up making, you know, their purchasing decisions in houses in a different market. Um, So it's always good to to get a house price report and get an up-to-date view of exactly what's going on with your property, keeping yourself fully informed, regardless of whether you want to sell or or anything like that, just staying fully informed Mm -hmm. and getting an up-to-the-date, up-to-the-minute report 
from people who are working with up to up to the minute information in your local area. Um, look, we all love AI. I'm I'm the biggest fan of AI, but AI reports are only as good as the data that they're based off, and often that data is three and six months old. Yeah. Right. A lot can happen. We we watched. We all know when when those first interest rate rises hit in 2022, how quickly the market fell off. It was like someone flicked the light switch. Yeah. Right. Three months is a long time in the Australian housing market. Yeah. So working with someone who's up got the up to the minute information uh, is always the best way to go, and that's exactly what your check my house price free house price report is. It's a report compiled by someone who is working in the industry, working on the front lines, and has that immediate knowledge of what's going on in your market. So jump out, grab one today. And knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Check myhouseprice.com.au or .co.nz for our Kiwi cousins. Let's solve Australia's housing crisis. Well, let's give give a potential, well, not potential. Let's give a solution that is being used in other countries. It's starting to be, yeah. 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 Um, So it's like, okay. And I did, I did bring up one issue that you did say no, that it's already been addressed, it's already been and addressed. it's already can happen. So, what we're talking about today is three D printing houses. Mm. Now, to give you a bit of background, I'm not talking about the desktop printers where we're three D printing monopoly houses. Well, it is. It's just well, it's on it's on a massive scale. Is an actual piece of land. Yeah, <laughs> and it's on a massive scale comparatively, but they're also not using plastic thread. Right, so typically, what happens is they build these massive three D printing machines, um, and and they will use a particular mix of or variation of concrete, mm. and it'll go up through an apparatus, come down out through the tube, much in the same way that your three D printer prints a bit of plastic out through a tube, like it, it liquefies the plastic and and then prints it in in its space and rapidly dries. In this particular case. It is cement that is coming out of the nozzle and layering. Mm. And so it builds in the same way in the sense that it layers up bit by bit by bit. Um, and it, it is, it's a concrete mix. Quite often, and in some countries, what I've been really impressed with is the, the sustainability aspect. Yeah, uh, They can actually reuse a lot of discarded building supplies and, and construction waste and like remix that into... Uh, the cement mixture in that in some countries as well. There you go. So there's reducing waste so uh, in a, in a significant way. So t- it's also being able to be a little bit more eco-friendly. Yeah, look, there's there's that benefit to it. Um, Not complete greenhouse, but at the same time pretty... Yeah. It, it's repurposing junk. But what a, the, the big appeal for me, the big appeal for me, is when we look at the Australian housing crisis, supply is the biggest underpinning issue, right? And also the amount of time that it takes. Well, but that's part of the supply issue, yeah. right? We have limited people to be able to build the houses. We have uh, limited construction uh, materials and things like that as well. Uh, and so we have this, this massive problem. Mm. Part of that is lead times and turnaround times. It takes a long time to build a house, put up a frame, all this sort of stuff, mm. Okay. You can 3D print a house that's 12 metres, so 12 metres wide by 50 metres in depth, three-bedroom house in under a week. Yeah. From, like, there's apparently, like, with one of these companies we've been researching, um, they, they, it took two days of planning. Yeah. And setting up and getting the site prepared. And then once they started building, it was done in under a week. Yeah. So a complete three-bedroom house built in under a week. 
Now, there could are, you imagine how quickly they would be able to have an estate put in? Oh, it's insane. Because if you got multiple machines, you could literally put it in a state. If you if you had a hundred machines a and a hundred houses needing to be built, and you had the the cement, you could literally build an estate in a week. Yeah, you know, obviously, you still need tradies, you still need your yeah, your you electricians your and your plumbers and yeah. all those guys. So that's going to be the delay there. But in terms of actually building the house mm. around all that, um, less than a week. So and and that because of that time saving. And because of the materials involved, like concrete mixes are fairly cheap, mm. you know, comparatively speaking, costs 70% less to build. Yeah. Which 70% less to Which build. Which means that the government would still be able to have their stamp duty. <laughs> they can shove their stamp duty where the sun don't shine. We're going to make that an election issue. And we're going to do some very unpleasant things. Well, aren't the polys going to be a very under the, the uh, you know, you've got to do the supply. You've got to get rid of stamp duty. Like, you guys got to pull your fingers out. Yeah, well, and that's it. Like they're, they're We're employing you to do a job. Now, get in there and freaking I, do I it. I love that you use that. We're employing you to do a job. Because one of the things, I look at tax. I, I hate paying tax. And, and then I realise, you know what? It's not that I hate paying tax. I don't hate paying tax. I hate how the government spends the tax money. And you get this receipt now going, this is where we're sending all the money, right? And it is it's so cute when they poorly... put on infrastructure because you're just like, mm, mm, where's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's it's also so poorly managed. And and I think this is something that we've all forgotten. The government, the ATO, they're custodians for the people's money and for the people's well-being. That's what their job is. They are custodians for our society. They work for us. And I'm not jumping up on a soapbox and a conspiracy theory nut job thing running here going, they're employed by us. We all know this. But, but we don't a hold lot them to of, task. We don't hold them to task effectively because we feel the only way we can is through a, an election, right? But we can start to with social media and we can, we can really, we can, we've seen that start to happen in social media where people are actually exposing things and that. But I feel like they've forgotten that they don't run the country and and are, are the owners of it, so to speak. They are the custodians of it on our behalf. Yeah. And they are meant to be operating so on our behalf. So technically speaking, if we say jump, they're supposed to be going how high? And and that's so it. So if, we, if we're saying, come on, guys, like what the mm-hmm. is going on here? Well, we're getting ignored, right? Yeah. And, and so, but anyway, look, that's, that is a that's rant. A that, that's a different rant. That's a different rant. Let's get back to solving the crisis. I think, so you know, uh, the one thing that I did read this morning that you sent through to me, which I yep. found really interesting, was over in uh, Saudi Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yep. Um, sorry if I pronounce that wrong. Um, I might have pronounced they, that wrong. <laughs> uh, so they um, built built a office building in seventeen days. Mm. And this is where I was just like, hold on. In 17 days, you can build a fully functional office building. Why the hell aren't we doing this for residential? They are actually doing that. Well, they're looking at it. Yeah. No deal's been done yet, but one of the but they a Chinese certain- company who are considered the global leader in 3D printing houses, yeah. um, they it's called Winsun. Um, they have spent time in Saudi and have pitched to 3D print 1.5 million houses, mm. 
which is is an incredible achievement. And the report out of Saudi is is that they they were quite impressed with the quality of it. Um, but close to home, we've we've got companies in Melbourne. We've got a couple of Australian companies who are three D printing. In fact, one was featured on the block last year. I wasn't aware of this until I started researching. But I they didn't were know, but they that's were brought I in like the block. No, <laughs> so. but they were brought in to build a a pool house like a cabana pool cabana type room granny flat type deal on the block and 3d print it and you can jump on their website and check it out and it looks amazing mm. like i really like the look of it um and it's got its own little kitchen in it and everything like that yeah uh, i think you know it took them 28 hours to build yeah 28 hours yeah right it's insane it's it's nuts so because when you think is... about it all of the the retiree villages that mm. you have again 28 hours, they're only needing one, maybe two-bedroom little Ooh. flats. So you, like, even, you know, even if you <laughs> – I did I did find this funny. So even if you have people who are like, I, I just want to have a group of friends that I can live near and we all have one communal area and it's like, yeah, that's called a retirement village, but sure, continue, uh, <laughs> uh, where we can all just have this one area that we all commune and and then we have our houses around it. So when you think about it, those types of things, if someone was to do that, they would be able to have their one, two-bedroom houses set up and you could be literally moving into your new homes in, in a month. Because let's face it, you've got sparkies, you've got plumbers, you've got all, you've got all but, of that. But there's a case study that's being played out at the present, right, where one of these companies, in one of these Australian companies, are building low cost housing in indigenous communities. Yeah. In this in this fashion. Now we, look, we you and I don't understand enough of the indigenous community housing situation yeah. needs and all of that sort of stuff. So we're not going to dive into that because we we just don't know. We're not yeah. smart enough. It's not sorry, that's not that's not true. It's we haven't done the reading, we haven't yeah. done the research, we haven't found the information. So we're not people who have any knowledge on that. What we have found though is the quality of these builds and that this, this company is capable of building. They've got a number of... It's a company called Lyuten, L-Y-U-T-E-N. Um, and they've got a number of different uh, like housing plans on, on their website as to what they can build, three-bedroom houses and so forth. These are actually decent quality homes. They're able to build quite quickly, quite effectively, cost-effectively, most importantly, and we've talked on the podcast before, we've we've discussed about the government, you know, looking to build social housing and a number of the grants and a number of the 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 housing budget that Albanese's talking about is going to be dedicated to social low cost social housing. If these cost seventy percent less to build and less time like, and less time, you could build three times as many houses in the same budget, genuinely addressing the supply issue. Yeah. So I would love to see the government stepping in and going, you know what, this is viable. We're going to roll this out for our social housing projects and so forth. Because, and the reason for that, and I know there'll be people out there go, oh, but they're going to be shit houses, low quality. Like They're relatively high quality to start with already as it is now. Mm. But the government backing this kind of project immediately legitimizes it, mm. which then increases investment into it. Mm -hmm which means the uh, 
the the technological advancements in the space, the quality advancements in the space, and in particular the luxury advancements in the space, mm. are going to get a turbo boost mm. and are going to happen significantly See? quicker, which means we get to a point where 3D printed houses are the norm and we're genuinely able to address the supply issue, assuming, by the way, there's a big asterisk and a really big assumption on this. We can address the supply issue with 3D housing so long as the government releases enough serviced land and the councils and state governments, etc., also ensure that services are provided to those blocks mm. at the same time. Do you want to know something? And I know a lot of people just go, well, you know, why the so the lower socio socioeconomical economic households? The one thing that I don't know whether you're aware of this, right? But it is an option. Again, this is something that you need to go and do your ex own, you know, dealings and own research for your particular situation. Don't take this as, you know. It, it's it's and not financial it. advice. It's we're yeah. just we're we're talking and offering opinions. So, uh, when I was working at DHS, uh, there was a lady that came in, and she was like, um, "Oh, can you help me do uh, like this? Is what I'm needing to get?" And I was like, "Yep, not a problem." And then she went on to tell me, and she was on New Start, and so she's like, "You know, I am trying to find." A, my house uh, at my own home and I've been saving up for that and so in this regards because of and again you need to go and do your research but at that stage she could access her super because of how like she was needing to find and she needed to have a certain amount saved as well uh, because of that she did qualify to uh, buy her own property, yeah, right. Because she had st she had money in super, she was working, and the government actually helped her get the remaining money to be able to purchase. Right. So there's so there's, there's grant programs there, and things, there and there's programs, there to programs help with out there for people who are on that lower end who are sick and tired of having to go through that whole process of trying to find somewhere through housing because, let's face it, housing supply, housing itself already has that supply and demand issue as yeah. well. So I, I'm just saying, you know, potentially that may be something that you can look at, especially for these 3D, like, Well, printing. I think, I think like, if the government gets in and, and backs it, 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 it absolutely addresses, but but when you're also looking at it from the point of view, when we're talking seventy percent less to build, right? Mm. Very rough maths. You're basically saying it's thirty percent of the cost, mm. right? So therefore, you can buy three, uh, build three times as many houses as what you could for one as it currently stands. Yeah. Looking at that, that we once were able to build two hundred thousand properties. If we got back to that capacity and then underpinned and supported with this style of building. Mm. Who knows? Maybe we can do four hundred. Maybe we can do five hundred or six hundred. For like, look at Springfield. Yeah, like that has taken years to actually accomplish, and it has the it's speed. A, I mean, look, the the speed would be phenomenal. And look, those the, types of the speed will be hampered by the ability for councils, developers, etc., to provide services. Please understand, this is not a magic bullet. No, but it is absolutely a viable bullet in the chamber. 
to solve the housing crisis. Yeah. So there's still other things that are dependent on it. But the speed with which they can build, yeah, the, the cost, cost effectiveness of, of which they can build, makes this a really viable solution to address the housing crisis in, in Australia. And coming back to something you, you mentioned in the intro, you said that there was an issue that you'd raised with me, and, and that was these houses have to be built to be strong enough to withstand Australian conditions. Yes. Um, so up north even, being even, one of yep, them is cyclone-proof. It has to be so done. many, like back in 2018, when I was really starting to go down the rabbit hole on this, they were already building... Uh, 3D printing houses in other countries that were rated to a Category 5 cyclone rating, yeah. right? And that could withstand that. The stuff that we read in prep for this episode as we re-ventured re down the rabbit hole, these houses are being built. So in terms of a strength rating, mm. they are more than five times stronger than the Australian National Standard for the strength rating. Yeah, right. Right. That's so huge. It's massive. It's massive. So... We just need to, to, I think, I don't think they're ready. Like, I don't think we could roll this solution out tomorrow. I don't think if someone came no, along and said, here's a billion dollars, roll, roll this out tomorrow. I don't think it's at that level yet, but I think it's close. Yeah. And I think that we absolutely should be supporting it and going, here's some money to get it to the point where we can go, here's a bunch of money, go build houses. Yeah. And I think that it's such a viable oh, look, option that even it if needs it, to be considered. Even if it's just the you know that there's um, that there's community like not community sorry councils out there who are like you know what let's give it a go. Let, yeah. Let's give it a go. Let's see how quickly we can get this stuff up. Five, five, six, seven years ago, they three D printed an entire hotel suite. In, in Dubai, yeah. and now in Saudi, they, they 3D printed an office building in 17 days. We're, we're building pool cabanas in Australia in 28 hours. Yeah. Like, the advancements are happening, and we are so close to being there. I think that it's such a viable option yeah. as a society, as a government, uh, that we give it a nudge to get it over the line because what we lose up front now yeah. and the expense now is going to be paid back in spades as we solve the housing crisis and we start to, to provide shelter, which is one of the basic fundamental needs of our society and of, of human beings. Yeah, it needs to be done. Absolutely. Okay, so shall we go into our JTM? Let's JTM. Let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode. It's time for JTM. It's JTM. So, there is a couple of movies that came to mind when I saw this. Surviving Chris Family Christmas. Oh, God. <laughs> if anyone can remember back in the, I think it was like early 40s, maybe the late 90s, there was an, an Australian Christmas movie that came out called Crackers. I never saw it. Really? I kid you not. 
Like, oh my god! See, I was, I was, <laughs> like, I was every, probably living it. Every, well, that's it. Every Australian lived that fair, like where you just go, oh my god! Like there is just drama upon drama. See, upon, maybe not the specific type, but there's still drama where you just go, what the hell? Like, what I, is yeah. going? Why? Yeah. I, I, I have hated Christmas for as long as I can remember, and and. I understand why it's it's nothing to do with the season itself. I actually enjoy. I love the minute the Christmas lights go up. I've really started to enjoy that because it means we're nearly at the end of the year. You start to relax a bit more. People are happier and so forth. But Christmas Apart from Day, when they go into shopping parking lots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't stand it. But that's just you know people in general. Like I, I don't deal well with a lot of people. I can I can do it professionally as part of my job, and I love seeing everyone, and I love catching up with everyone. But after a two-day conference, I need four days of just downtime in a dark room to recover. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's that's because of of the Aspie, the, the neurodivergent part of my brain. Like particularly with audio, my brain tries to process every stream of audio as though it's equally important as every other stream of audio. So it's just this this cacophony of noise and this excessive processing of the brain, and which is one of the reasons why I've hated Christmas Day, right? And family Christmases, and it's not uncommon for me to just phantom and ghost. I will disappear for 30, 45 minutes and you'll find me in a dark room or a dark corner. There's been times where I've hidden in the walk-in robe, just sitting down under the clothes where no one can find me with my eyes closed just to decompress from all of the noise. And I know that this is an extreme kind of thing and I get that, but that's just what I need to do to be able to survive the day because of all the noise, all the stimulus and everything like that. But there's also always drama. Like, yeah. as you're saying, you add family issues that are mostly unresolved from, you know, years and years of growing Plus, up together, yeah. sibling rivalry, parents trying to deal with the stress in their life and everything that's going but on, was going on while trying to raise parents, kids. Yeah, the parents. The parents so the are generally most chill. Or let's say grandparents, not necessarily, but the parents of the older people <laughs> of the children, the older children, are going oh, my God, I have to deal with that. And then you've got those people going, I have to deal with my little humans as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's like there's and, all and of this. And then there's all the intersecting relationships between the adult siblings. Yeah. And the, un, and, and the minute you start drinking, you get to that point of tipsy and those unresolved issues that probably should have been talked out in therapy – suddenly start to boil well, over and enter into conversation. It's, it's just like there's always one thing that tips everyone over um, and it's normally at lunchtime. Oh, yeah. It's normally when food comes out, so does everyone's trauma. <laughs> so, but, but that's because generally, look, Australian Christmases in the, my experience, they've started drinking from about 10.30 a.m., Maybe early because well, often there's the, champagne breakfasts. Yeah, it's normally when yep. you know kids have opened up their presents yep. and yep. and there's that. What do we do now until lunch? Exactly, period. and so everyone sort of starts to to drink. So and, yeah, there's drinks and there's and, merriment. There's, and but being then, in, in summer in Australia, where Christmas is, it's hot. It's so hot. You've got so that people are already, in. and because of how hot it is, people are inside in close quarters with the aircon on, and and there's drinking, and and that's. Let's when, get uh, ready to rumble. 
exactly. And that was really, really loud. My too. bad, my bad. Um, so, Dee will fix it up in post. <laughs> so, um, you know, you you have to, you need to have a mediator. <laughs> so designate. there's always one family member who is the designated mediator uh-huh. where it's just like, okay, you need to put down your gun. You need to put down your gun. Let's communicate. Let's Look, talk about I this. I get it. She stole your dress in grade 10, yeah. but you can't fit that dress anymore. So, it so let it go. Exactly. Like, you know, and that starts a whole new... How dare you say I can't fit that dress anymore? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, there's the whole, well, you know, mum told me that I was bringing this salad and you rocked up with the same salad where you knew <laughs> that I was bringing that salad. So now we've got two of the same salads and it's like... Okay, that just means that it clearly it was popular. We and get to eat more salad. We get to and, eat. And, and this is the, so many people get caught up on so many. And I guess this is one of the things that this then, is what this is what frustrates me on Christmas Day is everyone gets their knickers in a knot about pointless things. Yeah. Your example of the two salads of the same, right? It, it is if someone if both people have made the same salad. That's because both people like that salad and want that, and typically that means that that there's not going to be enough anyway with even two, yeah. right? But everyone gets all upset about it. You made something that I was making it as though you had dominant dominion over the salad. <laughs> well, that particular but more, salad. But moreover, usually that's the first thing that goes and disappears too. Yeah. So it's like, good thing we uh, the number of times... That at a family Christmas, it's hit about three o'clock in the afternoon. We're surveying the battlefield of Christmas lunch, and that item that was a double up is gone. Yeah, there wasn't enough, and people are like, "Wow, that was good." On and yeah, and but do I you know pipe, what? That's what I, I say. Is up, that a, is that a pity? No, no, no. <laughs> I I pipe up always from the back and just go, "Good thing you brought two, eh?" <laughs> So I love the death stares I get for that. It comes down to communication. Make sure that you are like ver- being very specific about what you are bringing and what you're not bringing. Yes. Also, if there's someone that goes, I don't want to bring chips and dip, just go, that's really nice. However, that's what I pulled out of the hat. And so that's, Everyone else had their names in there and had different things that they were going to bring, and that's what you see. I I, I take a bit because, of a different approach because at least then they can't go. Well, this is rigged. No, who cares? It's <laughs> chips and dip. Like freaking hell! That do you know how many bloody lunches I have been to? And I'm the one that's rocking up with all of the complex stuff, and I just look at the person that's brought the chips and dip, and I'm like, why the f- can't I do that? Do you, do you know? Do you know? You know what I do? So with that. And I normally at, they're the lady complainers that are going, oh, I wish I could have brought a salad. And it's like, do you know what? Next time, go for it. I'll bring exactly. the chips and dip. I, I, but I look at it and I, if they go, I don't want to bring chips and dip, go, well, look, that's that's what you've been drawn, as you've said. That's what you've been drawn. You bring the chips and dip. But I want to bring, why not bring that too? There's never enough food and there's always too much at the same time. So make sure you tick the chips and dip, dip off. <laughs> chips Whoop, and dip. Whoops. <laughs> Oh, I'm not. It's too early to even start drinking. There's no excuse for that one. Um, but make sure you bring the chips and dip because that's part of the the menu that that has been organised and making sure we're ticking all the boxes, right? But if you want to bring more than that, okay, go ham, do it. 
I you lo- do you This boo. goes to show that he's never done it before. Oh, I so have many times. Because th- I, so I just go, that's you do normally, you boo. That's normally when they turn around and go, but that means that I'm bringing two things. And I go, well, that's your call. You do whatever makes you happy. Just and make that's sure how the chips we end and dips up. are there. <laughs> that's how we end up with the two salads because one of the salads people is going, screw it, I'm just going to bring what I want. So then, and, and then do you understand? That's, that's, so, that's where I get and to I know have that my many moment. Of people out there that's, going. That's where I get to have my moment at the end of the day where I turn around and go, good thing we had two salads and just piss everybody off. It's great. So, but, but hang on, on that, there is a way that I actually avoid that, right? Before the drawing it out of the hat. I will go in and I have organized Christmas dinners and lunches and all that sort of thing before. And I'll say, right, this is the menu, guys. Let me know what you want to bring off this menu. If you haven't given me a dish or an item that you're going to bring off it by this date, I'm going to assign one to you at random. And that's how, and yes, there is arguments where they go, oh, I want to bring that, oh, I want to bring that. I'll be like, that's cool. You can both bring it. There's enough people that we can still have everything on the menu and double that up. You do you. More food is great. It's not worth fighting I, over I this. Think, I think there also needs to be a – you need to just be very um, embracing. If you know that you've got a high-conflict household – You mean like having four sisters? Just, just, embrace, <laughs> sisters, the, just embrace the fact that there is going to be some sort of shit show. And just be good with that, and actually oh, there's, there's have always, your own yeah. have your own strategy of being able to just completely disengage, yeah, and just go. You know what? You clearly are looking for an argument here, and that's fine. But you're not going to get it from me. So this is what I'm yeah. going to do. And when you when you do that, I can tell you right now, the person who is creating the conflict, where you just go, you know what? You're wanting to argue. I don't want to argue today. I'm good. So do you know what? I'm just going to go out into the backyard and you can stay here, but I'm going to go out in the backyard or I'm going to go for a walk or whatever. And I'm just, I'm just going to go and do me. You do you and, you know, like see you in a bit. And you know what? A lot of the time they just stand there and that you have just completely taken all of the steam, all of the hot air out of their balloon. And they're standing there just going, um, because you haven't given them what they wanted. You haven't given them their little, I need to blow my steam off and this is, I'm going to target you. You take control of that situation and just be like, cool, you do you. I, I'm embracing the fact that that's what you want to do. However, I'm not going to participate. And you walk out and you just go and do the whole I, I need to go check on the smoker with a beer in my hand. And usually the brother-in-laws follow me because <laughs> they're like, yeah, we, we need we need to help JH check on the smoker. Yeah. Oh, just, we just need to go Why, and why are we carrying an esky out there full of beers? Oh, just it might take longer than expected to check on the smoker. Oh, we're just putting it out here because we can see that it's got starting to get a little bit of condensation on the floor and we don't want anyone to trip over. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, they take the esky out and they don't come and fix the water that's on the floor. So, yeah. but at the same time, and then time, we end up sitting around the, the fire pit in the backyard, and we get it. Usually, our record, our record was ninety-seven minutes before someone realised that we had stopped checking the smoker and we were sitting around the fire. But usually, we get away with at least 45, 60 minutes sitting around the fire just chilling before someone goes. 
what are you guys doing? You're still checking the smoker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we're just yeah. doing it at a distance. Yeah. And then we start getting enlisted the, in chores. The other thing too, though, is that there is nothing wrong with going, all right, you know what? This is too much. Okay, who wants to come for a walk? Yeah, absolutely. Getting out of that small or even going, you know what? This is something I haven't done for a long time. Let's go and run around underneath the hose. You know, like go and find an activity where a lot of people can go and participate at the one time so that that high conflict person doesn't have an audience, (laughs) doesn't have the ability of going off at you, where you can just go, yep, I'm out, I'm done. And that is where my my sister's picnic purgatory comes into yes. effect. So I mean it was primarily for the kids, but it was it announced was, it, was, it was announced for everyone prior to the the, yes. the Christmas lunch was that so, there would be a picnic purgatory. No, it was for a birthday, but oh, then birthday, it, sorry. but then it just turned into this is how it's going to be for our family. So what had happened was because my this particular sister of mine is normally the mediator. She's just gone, I'm sick and tired of being the mediator. I'm going to create a designated area for the person who is creating the the chaos. And not everyone likes chaos. And if you're going to create chaos, you're going to have your own little area. Essentially, so it's a naughty corner, but... It is a naughty corner. Outside. But obviously, because when, when adults, adults yeah. don't like being told that they have to go to the naughty corner, we call it the picnic purgatory. So you have a designated area of which you bring it to everyone's attention. See that area over there? If If you're going to to be creating chaos and mischief and when people have expectations and you are deciding to rebel against those expectations and boundaries of people that are here, it is going to be that's where you belong. That's where you are going. There's no if, buts, maybes. There's no trying to talk your way out of it. You start shit, you are going to end up over in the naughty corner. And for for the adults, like for the kids, there was no diffusing because kids are amped up Christmas Day anyway. So you just go and you put them there. But for the adults, the mere jesting, like threat of, I'll send you to Picnic Purgatory, done in a jesting sort of cheeky way was enough to immediately diffuse the situation. Well, yeah, because it was just like, well, I don't want to go and sit by myself. No, it wasn't that, but it was <laughs> It was that, because every adult goes... Because this, you, is a, this you isn't voted make, on thing, no, right? So, but, but every adult goes, you can't make me sit there, but at the same time, they're like... <laughs> actually, we can. So it, it's one of those things that if you have someone who you know is going to be high conflict, because let's face it, there's always one, that they're going to who for whatever it could be that they they brought a salad and someone else brought a salad or and you're really stuck yeah. on the salad. I feel well, like this was a real event. It, it was a real event. Um, it could be that someone got two more oysters than another, or you know, and yes, that was another one. Um, <laughs> it could be that there, you know, that no one checked on the meat, so the if meat. If anyone's got burnt. wondering, this is why I go and hide in a wardrobe at times on so Christmas Day. Meat got burnt. Um, you know, mum's passed out on the steps from drinking too much Frangelico that her brothers gave her. Yes, another thing that did happen. Uh, <laughs> you know what? For once, I'm glad that the bus isn't driving over me. But I don't know how happy your mum's going to be that you oh, just threw her no, under. No, she she finds it entertaining because she was just like I. Had I had no idea what Frangelico Blue was, moon. and my and my. 
brothers just kept on giving me and it was delightful. And my mum, so my grandmother, was getting angry at my mum because she could smell that the meat was burning. My grandmother was in a wheelchair, so she couldn't do it. She needed help to do it. Meanwhile, all of us kids are too young to be able to deal with it. So, yeah, it was it was very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of mileage out of that. But there has been so many things over the years where it's just like looking back on it, it's like, need to be such a big deal like it's given us memories to be able to laugh about and be like how stupid was that but in that particular situation picnic purgatory would have been great yes yes absolutely because it's the perfect way to go do you know what you're cracking up about a couple of oysters you need to go away you need to think about the fact that you are starting to act like a two-year-old <laughs> you need so to calm do you do? the down yeah, what do you do with two-year-olds who are chucking tanties you take them out of the situation you put them in their bedroom you say you're going to sit there and you're going to think about how you're carrying you, on you calm down. that is exactly what you yeah. are doing to the adult so you need to make sure that everyone understands there is a designated area for your misbehaving adults Children already know that. They, they're yeah, already yeah. All, uh, all over they're, that. They're already well trained in that. So have a designated area where you go, you're going to be cordoned off. And then when everyone yeah, agrees you see, that you are... Your, your language, you're, you're sitting there going, you're going to be cordoned off. But when I suggested we roped up a boxing ring and stuck the combatants in there and then watched them fight it out, you said that that just wasn't acceptable. No, it's not. So, <laughs> and, and then once everyone can see that, you know, they have calmed down, that... They are now. You don't give a time restraint because people will be like, "Yeah, I'm good now," and it's like, "But are you?" <laughs> so let them. Once they realise that what they've done is not acceptable, and they're like, "You know, I I want to apologise for the way that I carried on." Believe it or not, a lot of people are like, "That's fine. You can come back within the community." But until they have apologised, they're not coming out. They are will be threatened with it of you keep on carrying on like this, you're going to picnic purgatory. <laughs> it can be outside. It can be that they have a particular seat that they have to sit on and yep. face a wall. Whatever it is that I, you I decide just, to do. I just send them outside because outside you can shut the windows, put the aircon on and you don't have to listen. Yeah. Yep. So whatever it is to suit your particular festivities, do it. Make sure that people understand where it is. Make sure they understand the rules around it and make sure that they understand that you can come out once you have apologised for your behaviour. But until that point... <laughs> You're staying there. If they go, well, I'm not going to apologise, let them stay there. Serve them, en enjoy serve a them little Christmas. Spot. Yeah, could serve them Christmas lunch in picnic purgatory because we don't want anyone going hungry. Um, they'll, they'll just get up and go home by that point. But, you know, that, you know that that's, their choice. Be, that's, that's their choice. That's exactly right. Well, look, I, I think the other thing too, we, we talk about having a plan and we'll jump into some quick dot points in a second to finish up and go, this is, you know, because we've, we've basically had a therapy session. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, fun. But... The other, the other thing that I find helps me cope and get through Christmas Day, which can often be incredibly full on, is Christmas Day is not my day, if that makes sense. For me, it's Boxing Day, right? Boxing Day, I call it adult Christmas. I will, you know, we'll have our friends over and things like that, and it'll be a really chill day. We'll be watching the Boxing Day test. I'll do a big cook-up because I love, I love doing the barbecue and the smoking and, the, and cooking up the meat. Um, and so for me, I look at it and I go... I serve on Christmas Day. I'm there to organize, to facilitate, to help, to be kind of the host and 
all that because and, and to make sure the kids have and make sure everyone else has a great time because Boxing Day is my day for that. Mm-hmm. And that helps me with the just dealing with it and, and sort of not being affected by like other people's drama mm. uh, and allowing to shrug it off and just <laughs> whatever, fam. You do yeah. you, boo. Um, and and, and to, to get through it that way. Uh, but to look, jumping in, look, except that there's probably, unless your family's the anomaly, there's probably going to be pain and battle and frustration, right? I don't reckon Just there's except- any family out there that does not have some sort of Look, happen. I, I'd love to know how they did it if they were. I mean, the, the severity, maybe, maybe look, there's look, just if, people that really. If you're, if you're are happy children of boomers, your default setting is dysfunctional <laughs> <laughs> as a baseline. Um, so organize, plan ahead for meals, plan ahead your sleeping arrangements and the activities and things like that. If you're going to have activities, make sure everyone knows the plan. Right, because if everyone knows the plan, people that that's going to reduce a level of anxiety of not knowing what's going on, not knowing where their part is, how they can help, how they can be involved, or what what they they can be doing, um, and communicate it. You know, communicate clearly, set expectations about gifts, contributions, schedules in advance, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think that's that's super important. It's particularly around gifting. It's always it's often an awkward conversation at times, but just look, rip the band aid off, be blunt about it, and go, hey guys, this is what we're going to do. Let's keep it all reasonable for everyone. Allow other people to have input, of course, as well, because everyone's got different budgets. Um, and boundaries. Look, establish your personal boundaries, maintain them, take breaks when needed, because at the end of the day, there's no point having a Christmas day where your mental health gets destroyed because of family drama. Um, so maintain those boundaries, enforce them, and good luck. Yeah. May the odds be ever in your favor. You can do this. (laughs) Peace out.